so we're going to carry on from last week, inshallah, and discuss how the Islamic economy is structured. Um, but in, in a nutshell, what we want to do today is um, one thing, and that is to work out what we as individuals need to be doing in order to convey the beauty of Islam and convey the the uh, benefit of Islam um, on economic and financial matters. Uh, and so today we're going to move from uh, the theoretical side of what we've been discussing so far and move into the practical side of things, uh, inshallah. So um, if we quickly recap what we've done um, over the over the last um, session, um, we we discovered we discussed three things. Uh, we were discussing uh, the ayah, the very first ayahs of uh, Surah Baqarah, Alif Lamim, Dalikal Kitabu La Rayba Fi. This is the book in it. There is no doubt. Hudalil Muttaqin, guidance for those who have taqwa, for those who have piety. Um, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبُ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةَ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُؤْمِنُونَ uh, وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ um, Those who believe in the unseen وَيُقِيمُونَ uh, الصَّلَاةَ And those who establish salah And those who spend from what we have given them And we were discussing about this hudallil muttaqin and this, uh, you know, this guidance that has come for the believers or the pious ones And there's this book, in it there is no doubt, there's this perfect message and there were three things that we discussed last week. First thing was we need to remember the bigger picture within which we sit. Uh, specifically, we then moved on to financial matters and we discussed this. The second thing we discussed was about how taqwa means we don't just take a view on things. Taqwa means that rather than saying, all right, you know, in theory, it's all well and good to uh, discuss um, you know, uh, whether or not it's halal to get a mortgage or whether or not it's halal to um, maybe get a pension at work. Um, but, you know, really, in reality, when it comes down to the crunch, we take a bit of a view on it and we just go for it and we get it. Um, so we were discussing this and how this is extremely um, uh, problematic from an Islamic perspective because um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he asks us, he demands of us that we uh, put what he wants before what uh, we want. And then the final thing we discussed, and that's really what we're going to continue doing today, which is thinking about, all right, so we've got this huda, we've got this guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this guidance um, is um, not just um, uh, restricted to our um, family lives or our personal spiritual journeys, but it is guidance about how the world should look, how the economy should look, how we should interact in the marketplace. Um, and uh, we started exploring what the economy looks like. And I've actually got a graphic that I've uh, drawn up today, which I'll uh, show you very shortly. And uh, then we discussed what are the issues with the current financial system, the current economy, and what does Islam say about that? And, and how do we address it? And specifically, we talked about um, one, two, three, four, five issues, uh, which we'll I'll recap on uh, inshallah very shortly. Um, and then um, today, what we want to really do today is discuss um, how can we ourselves as individuals um, have a tangible impact on bringing about this change? Because you know, let's let's not forget 
that ultimately um, what we're trying to do here is um, make Islam not just something we do in our houses but something we also do in our marketplaces and our places of work and our places of business and that means we need to have something tangible and real and um, uh, specific that we're going to be working on to bring these things about because otherwise we're, what we're doing here is just a bit of a talking shop and an ac academic exercise uh, and that's not what we want it to be so um, we um, we talked about what an economy looked like and my apologies that last time it wasn't as uh, easy to follow as, as inshallah maybe it will be today so I'm going to hold up this uh, graphic and it's probably not very easy to read because of my illegible handwriting um, but um, if you can see we have right here in the middle this is people who make stuff and then you've got um, overseas so you've got imports and exports going on so that's one big bit of the economy and this is the heart of the economy where um, you know people make stuff that's what the economy is really about then you've got underneath here you've got the raw goods that are needed um, in order to produce stuff so that's mines and farmers and things like that and they uh, give stuff to companies corporates and then over here you've got us so we give our employment to these people who make stuff and we also buy from people who make stuff. So if like here it's um, Sainsbury's or more accurately, I don't know, someone who uh, you know supplies the stuff from say like Heinz Ketchup, for example, we both, both buy from Heinz Ketchup, but we also are employed by them as well. Uh, we, we also are employed by them. And then we have um, the financial industry and we have these pools of capital because we have savings we have a bunch of savings and we all put it into our banks or pensions or savings accounts we have these pools of capital that start developing and obviously this is a very simplified picture we've also got insurance over here that might uh, spin off from this side um, and insurance is uh, another big pool of, ca of capital which would feed into this um, as well and then the financial industry what the financial industry is doing here is sitting as an intermediary as a person who connects up the people with the money with the people who need the money and in an ironic twist the financial industry will be supplying money back to the companies the very companies who employ us and who make stuff that we buy from um, and our money our savings and our pensions and our whatever will be going via the financial industry to these companies um, and then uh, we also have um, in the background we have the third sector which is um, if you can see uh, this is the not voluntary sector um, this is the sector where um, people do things for free essentially and this sector relies on us by donating but then it also gives us back things it gives us back services it gives us back um, uh, uh, it gives us back our rights, it gives us back um, lots of uh, money um, to poor people. So this is the third, third sector and this is actually something that maybe we're a good point to start on which is that in Islam we, we have a really um, a big emphasis on zakat and sadaqah. I mean the, the very first uh, 
passage of Surah Baqarah, you know, the opening of the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is, uh, he is saying that those who believe in the unseen, uh, and they do establish salah, and those who spend from what we have given them, and uh, from what we have given them as rizq. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is very up and, up and center, early doors. He's saying that zakat is a very important part of what it is to be a Muslim, what it is to be a muttaqi, someone who has taqwa. And um, and there's a reason for that. There's an economic uh, reason for that, which is that you know historically in the Islamic economies, um, almost thirty three percent in certain in certain areas. Uh, I remember reading a statistic about uh, Egypt at a certain point. Thirty three percent of the economy was run off awqaf, um, either either farmland or industries or um, f- services that the awqaf used to provide. Uh, and awqaf are trusts that uh, are, have been given over to uh, charity. And so the third sector, which we want to call it that, um, produces things like hospitals, schools. Um, it deals with our social services, it might produce libraries, as I said, it might have farms, it will definitely be dealing with people who are homeless and um, who need food, who need shelter, widows, orphans, that sort of thing. And this is a sector of the economy that um, sometimes we we really overlook. And if this is used strategically, it can have a big impact. Uh, and so um, we, we, we'll touch on that um, later on. But as a nutshell, this is um, what we're kind of looking at. Uh, and there on the top, you can see is the government, the regulators and um, the, the central banks and you know, various different supranational bodies will be sitting along, along here as well. So that's in a nutshell what the economy looks like. And that's what we're working with here uh, as, a, as a model. So the issues that we discussed, the first one was um, the nature of money and how that's linked to debt. Uh, and I uh, gave a shout out to a website called positivemoney.org, um, which is uh, a website that's done an incredible amount of research onto this topic and a lot of campaigning on this matter. So um, do check that out. The, um, the other topic that we talked about was the financial economy and uh, its domination, the financial sector's domination over the wider economy. Now, as we saw in this graphic that we looked at, the finance, financial sector is a um, service provider. It's supposed to be subservient to the main purpose of the economy, which is making stuff. And instead, what we have seen over the last few decades is the financial sector has mushroomed enormously and it has become uh, the reason for the economy. I mean, it has become the driver of the economy. Whereas in reality, um, what is being bought and sold is not really adding much value. It is uh, in reality um, potentially uh, harmful to the economy when it gets out of hand, as we saw in the global financial crisis. Um, And there was another statistic how 3%, just 3% of debt and lending um, it, it is actually extended to real businesses. And, and in reality, the majority of the lending that banks do these days is to other banks, is to other financial uh, institutions, um, which then use this money to leverage and um, carry on with their transactions. So this is a big, uh, this is a big problem. Um, 
Firstly, because of the instability it causes. Secondly, because of the unproductive use of um, the time of highly intelligent people who go into this area. Um, thirdly, because it's not really useful to the economy. Uh, fourthly, because it's um, unstable and it causes things like the global financial crisis. Fifthly, because it's um, potentially creating a, a world which is not um, as fair as it could be. And so we've got we've got a bunch of different um, problems there. Uh, then we have um, some, uh, I suppose, legal quirks um, that really are not are not a massive issue, but uh, are, are somewhat of an issue. Uh, firstly, you've got the fact that when you go to court, or when 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 there, whenever there is a delay in a payment uh, from a um, uh, standard commercial contractual perspective, interest is built in. Um, as the mechanism by which to um, uh, compensate the person. So, for example, if someone's not paid their utility bill, their electricity bill for, for five months, then the company will not just want the payment that was due, they will also want interest for the time that um, they had, uh, they didn't get that money because they will say, well, we, we could have got that money and we could have used it over the five months, so you need to pay us interest for that. Now, um, of course, in Islam, interest is not allowed. And so um, from an Islamic perspective, we would need to think about alternatives to that. And I'm not going to you know, necessarily sit here and give, um, uh, give off the cuff um, views on that. I'm just flagging that this is a potential issue. And in courts, for example, whenever there is a claim, um, again, interest is charged on top of that claim because, of course, a court Procedure will take a course of many months and sometimes years, so interest will add on to that. So that's another inbuilt way that interest is part of our um, legal industry. Then you have the problem that um, in Islam, uh, in English law, you are generally not allowed to um, have penalty clauses in contracts. So if a contract has a clause where um, if you know if you do not do something, then as a penalty you will have to pay a hundred pounds or a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds to um, to the other party uh, as a penalty as as opposed to a compensation. Then uh, from an English law perspective, that is very problematic. And and what that means is, let's say um, you know you. Um, you da you have a contract to build a conservatory and you um, damage that person's conservatory. You're not you would have to pay compensation equivalent to the damage that you have done, as opposed to something much exceeding that, because then that would become a penalty clause and that would be impermissible. Now, um, the reason why this is relevant is because um, penalty clauses of sorts would be an answer to um, the interest. Um, ban that we talked about earlier. So if you can't charge interest over five months, then maybe you can have some sort of penalty clause. But if, um, you know, English law does not allow that, then that's a problem. But anyway, that's that's quite a technical point. Um, then we have zakat and sadaqah. We as Muslims give an enormous amount of zakat and sadaqah. I think I read a statistic that approximately a hundred million pounds was raised in uh, Ramadan uh, this this last year, uh, and I, and I might well be wrong, and it might be a lot more than that. And over the um, entire globe, billions of pounds is given in zakat and sadaqah, and the Muslims are known um, and. Uh, many studies have been done on this, they are known to be the biggest uh, donators um, in in the UK uh, as a religious group. And so we're giving an enormous amount of zakat and sadaqah, and yet 
um, it is not being used um, often in a strategic and, a, and an effective and in a um, thoughtful manner as as it could be. Um, so we'll we'll discuss that, uh, and also from from a you know from an agnostic perspective, you know, ignoring Muslims for for one moment. Um, generally speaking, uh, there isn't as much emphasis and there isn't as much responsibility given to uh, these uh, voluntary organisations um, that um, would in my view, in an Islamic economy, be given a lot more emphasis and a lot more responsibility. Um, so, so that's another issue. Then um, the final issue, and this is um, something that I mentioned very briefly last week, and it uh, is something that I would like to uh, expand on um, this week. And that's, in our economy right now, we, generally speaking, when someone is raising money um, for... Uh, you know their businesses then um, they have either the option of debt borrowing money or equity um, getting some sort of shares in um, and there's a choice now that this person has to take um, is Allah is he going to follow um, the huda lil muttaqin the guidance for the muttaqin is he going to go for the halal option or the haram option that's what the, the choice that the muslim faces now, the choice, obviously, for a non-Muslim is, is not, not that. And often what will happen is you will go for the debt option. And debt has become prevalent and uh, is often a preferred source of uh, funding for businesses because it's often cheaper and you can pay off the debt and um, you don't have to you know, give away any equity. Now, the problem with that is that at a very high level, what happens is that people with money... Um, increase that money and they don't take the risk of a business failing whereas people who are entrepreneurs or startups they unfortunately have to take the risk and they may well um, be liable not just for um, you know the debt but also the losses that might be running in the business so there's no risk sharing here that is going on and just taking a step back well what's the what's the benefit of going for the equity approach in the first place then. Well, the benefit, and this is discussed by economists as well, is that you have an alignment of interests where you are going to be investing in a company and your money is linked with the success of that company, then you are going to do much more due diligence and you're going to only give that money where it makes sense. Uh, as opposed to um, if you're just going to give debt and then uh, when you've given that loan to the business, you'll promptly take that loan that you have, that promise of money that's going to come back um, from this person, package it up and sell it on to another uh, financial institution who will then package it up and sell it on further. Um, what that happens, what, what has happened here is you have no interest or very little interest in whether or not that person is actually good for that money. You've not done any due diligence into that business. And what happens then is you have businesses who get money who shouldn't perhaps be getting money. And you have um, that breakdown of due diligence. Uh, and so you have less productive or less beneficial um, businesses coming to the market. And so that's the, you know, that's the hikmah behind why going for the equity approach is better. Then the other um, hikmah is um, that you, um, uh, when you align your interests... Uh, when people take money and they then start investing that money, 
and they have bonuses linked to making lots of profits, they will take risks with that money. That's undeniable. So how do you deal with that? Well, the way you deal with that is by getting them to invest their money as well. So their um, money is on the line. And so when you do that, then there is an alignment of interests and people are much more um, secure in, um, in, uh, in knowing that their, their money won't be lost. So those are the kind of issues that we were discussing. So let's just take a step back so we don't forget where we are. So these are the issues with the financial, with the economy that we have today. We are discussing about the economy that we have today because um, Huda lil Muttaqeen, this guidance for the believers, is um, something that is not just um, restricted to the house. It's also something that goes to the marketplace and the economies and our places of work. And so in order for us to be able to implement what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants in these uh, marketplaces and in these business and these economies, we need to know what these economies, what, what this economy looks like, what this financial industry looks like, what the problems are. And then now what we're going to talk about is what specifically we can do in order to change this stuff, because um, this is the most important thing. And if we are not going to do this, then it's almost... Um, you know, all of the rest of it is useless. So let me start with um, the, the easy stuff first. So the first thing is we need to be educating ourselves about um, what needs to be done um, in the economy, in the financial industry. And, you know, read a few books on this. Uh, I can happily recommend uh, a few books on this as well. Um, and then um, you should be talking to politicians uh, and lobbying with them. Um, so that you are putting across your perspective on this. Uh, and by the way, this is this is a laundry list that I've come up with. It's not an, it's not exhaustive, um, and uh, there there will be things on there that are applicable to you in your circumstance that may not be applicable for other people. Um, but for those who this is applicable to, you know, you you must take this on board. Then the other thing that we must be doing is uh, doing the right job. Uh, encouraging our kids to get into the right jobs, get into the right industries. Now, when we looked at this uh, diagram of uh, of the world uh, that we live in, um, there was lots of um, corporates in there. There was lots of uh, government and financial industry, insurance companies, uh, pension funds, um, and uh, you know exporters, importers, businesses. There was less of um, you know, the, the the kind of industries that we sometimes um, send our uh, kids towards, such as, you know, the uh, to become a doctor or to become uh, an engineer or an accountant. Now, I'm not saying at all that these things are, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. What I'm saying is that if you are a doctor, engineer or an accountant, I mean, I'm a lawyer, that's another very uh, traditional kind of, um, kind of job role. What we need to do is... Um, think about how we can um, use what where we are in our position in our industry and um, and take the message of Islam and the message of um, what Islam says on uh, on the economy and on finance and take it to the uh, to the best of our ability in our sector so what that means um, in you know the NHS for example um, I'm not exactly sure, but clearly there is a problem 
within the NHS about funding, about um, you know the pressures on the NHS, and it would be fascinating to have a a, a study of how uh, zakat and sadaqa can be used uh, in a strategic way uh, in order to assist and buttress the NHS. So that might be an idea to you know potentially think about. Um, but then, uh, but but then the the core message here is make sure that you you or your kids are in the right jobs in order to affect change and um, you know it is it is possible to be a doctor and ha have a massive impact but it's uh, more uh, likely that if you are a um, uh, someone in the financial sector and obviously you know if you're going into the financial sector do drop us a line on Islamic Finance Guru we can talk you through uh, the kind of um, jobs that are halal and the kind of jobs that are haram uh, in the financial sector. I know it can be complicated. We actually have articles on this as well, so check those out. Um, but, you know, the financial sector, um, civil service, government, politics, um, uh, consultancies, academia, these are massive uh, areas that we as a community need to get involved in in order to uh, affect change. And if we are not doing that, and if we are not encouraging our kids to go into that, then um, you know that's something we need to have a serious think about. You know, are we really um, living up to what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala demands of us? Are we really doing that in our current day and age? Are we really demand? Are we really living up to what is required? I mean, we've just been discussing why we should be doing that. So I, I'm hopeful that it's clear. So um, I hope that the point um, is. Uh, uh, it resonates with with people then um the i suppose the final two points i'm aware that i, I really don't want to talk more than half an hour uh, the final two or three points um spend your zakah and sadaqah very strategically and uh think about how that money should be used most effectively and so um you know this now leads on to the second point after this which is we have to take ownership over these issues so you know you're, we're talking about the economy and it's quite this vague big big you know word concept um, and it's hard to get our arms around it and it's very easy to take a step back and think you know wow okay that's really interesting uh, subhanallah and and then not really do much about it so um, don't be that person and remember that the economy, what is the economy? Really, it's just a bunch of people interacting with other people and that creates the economy. So if you, where you are, with all of the interactions that you're taking part in, are sorting things out there, then you are doing your bit. So take ownership over this stuff. And by taking ownership, I mean that, you know, if, uh, if we think that uh, Islamic um, investment is not something that is really easily available. Um, so I talked about debt versus equity, and you're, if you're a business owner, you're thinking, hang on, there is easily uh, available lots of debt for me, but not very much equity. So how, how, how am I going to live up to Islam on that? Well, the answer is um, that, you know, I'm working on this as well. I would like to encourage people to have equity solutions there or Islamic debt solutions available there. Um, but, but why are you not um, working to try and solve this problem. Um, take ownership on these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Inna Allah la yughayyiru ma bi qawmin hatta yugayyiru ma bi anfusihim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't change uh, a, a nation state until they change what is within themselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Laysa lil insani illa ma sa'a. There is not for a human being except what he strives for. 
Maryam السلام, in when she was giving birth uh, to Isa السلام, she went and she uh, lay down under a tree or uh, took uh, shelter under a tree uh, and leaned against it and um, there was some dates on this tree uh, and Allah and she uh, and Allah he said to her when she uh, uh, when she called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says to take this date palm and shake it uh, and Allah, and the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will make the dates fall down upon her now if you've seen a date palm a date palm is not very easy to shake and if you do shake it a pregnant lady who's in labor will shake it she won't be able to make dates fall down so that's a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he made her still shake it even at that point and that is because you need to take that first step you need to be doing something in order for anything good to come about so take that first step take ownership and say I'm the man, I'm the woman who's going to do something about this. Um, and so, uh, so that's Maryam alayhi salam. Yunus alayhi salam in the, in the belly of the, um, the whale, um, he uh, called out uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then responded to him. Musa alayhi salam, when he was being chased by the Pharaoh um, and the, the sea was in front of him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he still told him to hit the, the sea with his staff. Uh, if we hit the sea with a staff today, it'll just make a splash. And in reality, it wasn't the hitting of the staff that caused the sea to part. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he still made Musa salam take that action. And that's because he wanted Musa salam to take ownership, to do something about it. And so when we are talking about these big issues and these big problems, you know, the concept of money, the domination of the financial industry, legal problems, the undervaluation of zakat and sadaqah, uh, the, the over preponderance of debt versus equity and the misalignment of people's interests you know all of these kind of concepts that we're talking about um, we need to be thinking about practically what does this look like and, I, and I'm happy to you know look at um, your thoughts and questions and comments on this afterwards as well um, but we need to be practically thinking how do we then deal with this and then um, the final point and this is I suppose uh, the most tangible point that I'd like to leave everyone on and that is that we need to um, start creating an alternative um, way of living uh, our financial lives. So rather than just thinking about, all right, how, how are we going to fix the economy? Um, as I said, the economy is just a bunch of people interacting with other people. So why don't we start interacting with other people in the way that we would like, um, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more importantly would like? So why don't we start um, coming up with our ways of um, doing things in an interest-free manner, doing things in a fair and equitable manner in our businesses and our startups. And what that practically looks like is that we need to be um, encouraging young Muslims uh, when they embark upon entrepreneurship and trying to add value to the economy, because I think that's that's a really valuable thing. We need to um, encourage people and uh, you know give loans to people uh, when when they need those loans in business. I know it's sometimes a risky thing and it's hard to do, but maybe we need to start doing that. Um, and uh, we also need to be um, encouraging people who are doing things that are quite new and novel and challenging in the financial space. So people like, you know, I've always been a, a supporter of Islamic banks. I, I don't think they're perfect, 
but I think you know we, we need to be supporting them and be engaged in a dialogue with them because they're trying to do something different in a very difficult arena. Uh, so we need to be um, supporting them. People who are coming up with Islamic alternatives to insurance, uh, we need to be uh, encouraging and supporting and, uh, uh, and engaging with them. Uh, people who are coming up with alternative Islamic investment um, strategies or Islamic investment products Again, these are people that we need to be spending our time and effort to um, support and encourage and engage with. Um, and, and of course, I'm, what I'm not saying is go in blindly and you know, listen to absolutely everything everyone says. What I'm saying is that it is our duty as Muslims to start creating an alternative economy and an alternative way of doing things. And once that is up and running and that shows um, the wider, you know, community that actually this is a fantastic model it works it can um, and it can be rolled out to other people then um, you know we will actually see um, you know Muslims and non-Muslims benefiting from this approach um, inshallah so I'll stop there and um, I'll just really quickly summarize the five things that I've said that we can start doing to try and affect change here the first thing is you know, get into the right job, and if you're in the right job, start affecting change there. The second thing is um, educate yourself, lobby with politicians, etc. Encourage your kids to become academics. The third thing is spend zakat and sadaqah strategically, and if you don't know how to, then maybe that's somewhere where you can start taking ownership. And that leads to my fourth point, which is um, take ownership over things and realize that this is not just my problem or IFG's problem or um, the, you know the, the MCB's problem. This is my problem and your problem. Uh, this is our problem and we need to all be doing something to solve it. And then the final thing is we need to be creating an alternative way of doing business and finance and econ economics. And this is part of the message and part of the reason why IFG uh, exists. We want to connect up people and uh, act as a base and a forum for where people can help each other um, do things uh, in, in the financial and business and commercial realms. Um, so that is the, uh, the the final thing that we should be um, doing. Inshallah, next week we'll be, uh, sorry, ne not next week, in two weeks' time, we'll be continuing with the tafsir. Um, and uh, I'll just give a few um uh, a few seconds to see if there's any questions. Um, so if you if you do have any questions, then um, please um, feel free to um, type them in. And also, while whilst I've got you guys, please do subscribe um, to this channel because um, apparently that's a good thing. And, and also it benefits us um, because then inshallah more people start listening to this message and reaching out um, uh, through you. And please uh, feel free to drop us a line on islamicfinanceguru.com uh, through our contact us page. We're fairly responsive on that. If you've got any ideas or ways that we can improve this thing, uh, we're thinking about doing uh, a series of podcasts and interviews with Muslim businesses and entrepreneurs um, and people in the fi Muslim financial industry um, about their experiences and how that can 
um, inspire other people and how they can learn from from these people as well and maybe a few uh, leading Islamic scholars on these topics as well so if that's something of interest then please do um, you know let us know and, and share your thoughts and ideas about what we should be covering as well so I think um, there's uh, there's no questions so um, Jazakallah oh. Jazakallah khair Bilal um, so we'll end there. Jazakallahu khairan. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum fa astaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafoorur rahim.